Cindy, if Becky Sauerbrunn scores a goal in the World Cup, will you eat a sock? Oh, man, I will eat four socks. Everybody, welcome to the Utah Royals FC Show. I'm Vircho, and I'm joined with Cindy and RJ. Hi, Cindy. Hi, RJ. Hello. Hello. I just so, have to say that you both are peaches, and I am so glad to uh, be here. Oh, well, we love you. We think you're great. This is going to be a, a laldy. <laughs> that was a, that was a shout out to the uh, Britt Radcliffe uh, interview that they did. Uh, when uh, she said that, what well, it was uh, Corsi, right? That said she was a peach, or the yeah, shot was a peach. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. I feel like maybe it's just because I've been watching the really cool England announcements where they've had celebrities like Emma Watson or former men's players like Ian Wright, Alan Shearer, and then a bunch of Woso players. And then, um, of course, you know, like Prince William. I feel like in a bunch of those, they've said peach. So maybe that's just why it's been popping up. But the funny, I don't know. the funny part to me is like Prince William technically could also do the Scottish uh, national team because he's also uh, because the UK is the UK. He's technically a prince in Scotland as well. Not even technically, he just is. So I wonder if the Scottish players will get any love from like the government or if there's like that territorial English Scottish thing. I don't know. We'll see. It'll be very interesting. That always confuses me because obviously in the Olympics, they all compete under the United Kingdom, you know, but then when it comes to soccer, sorry, you know, football, <laughs> that's, they, uh, they all have, I mean, like Scotland's its own, England's its own, Wales is its own, um, which is so weird. What well, I, do that I don't so know how that works. Yeah. Sorry. They do it so they can maintain a vote for the laws of the game because mm. each of the federations get a vote. And if they became one federation, they would only get one vote and they could be overruled on new laws of the game and things being changed. Um, the only time they occasionally come together is in Olympic years because uh, the way the Olympics works is different than how FIFA works. And it's super complicated, but we're going to get a unified team in Tokyo, which I'm super looking forward to. Yeah. Sorry. Nerd moment. Yeah, I I do remember that. There's a there's a lot of um cultural differences as well. Like uh, you know, obviously Scotland has the best accents and there's just little things there. Mm-hmm. That was a Rachel Corsi plug, by the way, which I guess. <laughs> um Anyways, so going back to that, like the way that they announced that was really cool. I think it would be awesome if the U.S. did something like that, Um, at least in terms of visibility. We had a great discussion in the RSO Award Slack today about like how to like whether visibility in terms of doing a video like that would work or whether it wouldn't work in America And I think that even in the UK, like there's obviously a cultural understanding of the game to an extent that I think if you were to name just a random player in the World Cup team that wasn't, you know, Carly Lloyd, Alex Morgan, et cetera, probably the average American wouldn't know that. Uh But I think that even if they didn't have the cultural, because obviously there are folks in the United Kingdom who aren't attached to soccer, but if they see like the Prince say, Oh, you know, this is interesting. I'm, you know, interested in the royal family. Um, 
like, I think that's definitely something doable here. I don't think everyone's going to tune in uh, or, you know, pay a lot of attention to that. But I think, hey, I think specifically if you look at a sports market and you're like, uh, hand a script to like Nick Saban and have him say a name and read some stats. Like, I think that'll increase visibility. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wonder because England is such a, you know, that like soccer is the number one sport there. I think that gets, I, I feel like they, here in the U.S., we only tend to pay attention. I mean, if you're not, I think we obviously pay more attention because we, you know, cover the sport. But um, the average, I mean, the average fan is is not like there's that's not their first thought. If they're not a soccer fan, they're not thinking about the national team. Um, and I know that England's trying to grow in that specifically for their women's team. But I wonder if it is because of that that it's you know soccer's number one in England here in the U.S. It's kind of like oh the World Cup is coming up. I think that's when people pay the most attention. Maybe it would have been cool to get like Tom Brady saying Alyssa Nair's name because I know she's a huge Pats fan, or having somebody from Georgia read you know Sonnet or O'Hara or something like that, just because we don't have a royal family. We sort of our celebrities are more spread out, but you could do sportscasters, you could do a lot of different people, or even like they could have gotten or tried to get some of the names of the, like the players were the names on their backs for the the women they admire, um, you know, Doris Burke or something like that, saying Tobin Heath's name, or, you know, just they could have done something versus just put out, okay, here's the 23. Like this is the most hyped roster, like every four years. And they, for the U S and they could have done a little more. I think they expect it just to be this big thing. So they don't make it bigger than it is. Yeah. And it was also kind of overshadowed, you know, there was a spoiler a day before and there was all this controversy without, you know, the players that were not in the roster they should have been. So it kind of just took away from the excitement and then they were late to their own announcement. So it, it could have been bigger, but it, it wasn't. So yeah, kudos to England for making their super cool. Um, New Zealand also had a pretty cool one. I don't think it was as cool. Maybe it's just because there's not as, you know, many New Zealand celebrities, but I still thought it was interesting. The Dutch, on the other hand, though, um, they put out their roster like a month ago. That was pretty rad. I'm very biased, very, very biased, <laughs> but, but, you know, I just figure I, uh, make that plug. Yeah. But, I was going to just quick take, are you from the Netherlands or you just, your mom is, I was trying to remember. So my mom is. Okay, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. Just wondering. Yeah. I consider myself Dutch though. Cause you know, it's cool. Yeah. No, that's Not that point. America isn't cool, but uh, you know, it's, it's cool to be edgy. It's cool to be different. Yeah. Sweet. Um, but yeah, I agree with, you know, both of your points. Like even if it, you know, go to like LeBron James. Hey, read some names. Get some like basketball bros to pay attention. Even if they just like, oh, this is a thing. I didn't know that was a thing, right? Like you're doing something. So that'd be good. But, you know, to especially to your point about it leaking early, you know, even if they had plans like that, like that, you know, could have 
could have definitely turned that into a problem. Um, one quick thing that I want to point out before we go into the U.S. Women's National Team roster a little bit more. So I've been looking at stats on Podbean, and so obviously the majority of our listeners come from Utah, but I was really surprised to uh, find out that there's a sizable amount of folks, about 40 listeners, who come from Spain. And I thought that was really, really cool. Um, So um, if you're from Spain, like send us a DM. That'd be really, really cool to get to interact with you folks. I'm sure um, Vero has helped with that connection. Um, But to see that there are some international listeners has been really, really cool. Um, There's also a decently sized amount of folks listening from Hawaii. I'm assuming maybe um, Grace's family, I don't know, or I know um, Lola Blanta has a distant connection there. Or, and, you know, Harvey likes to vacation there, so maybe Harvey just hands out, like, listen to this podcast stickers, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, if you're listening from somewhere cool, or even if you're listening from Utah, um, we love that engagement. Feel free to, you know, just, like, send us comments and we'll, we'll read them on the show. We love that engagement. Tell us where you're listening from. Tell us how you think games are going. Uh, tell us what we can do to improve as a podcast. Tell us, um, you know, complimentary things to boost our ego maybe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, engage with us. It's been, it's been really, really good. All right. Um, digging into the U S women's national team. I'm just going to hand it over to RJ and let RJ do her <laughs> thoughts. Um, I have many thoughts on this roster. Uh, I'll try to keep it more on the Utah Royals side, um, just because of the podcast I happen to be on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Becky Sauerbrunn was sort of the the biggest no brainer to me because that back line needs somebody to sort of organize it. Like Alyssa Nair is a very good goalkeeper. I think sometimes people judge her too much on the fact that she's not hope solo. And even, you know, years on, it sort of feels like she's judged on that curve, which I don't think is entirely fair to her particular set of skills. But I really think that this is a tournament that Becky Sauerbrunn has to be her most Becky Sauerbrunn-esque. And I think her games in Utah sort of make me feel comfortable with her being still that good. Um, it'll be interesting to see who she's paired with. If it's Davidson, if it's Dahl Kemper, um, I think it'll probably be Dahl Kemper at least to start. We'll see. Davidson might be on the wing, which, you know, Jalelis has to give me at least three heart attacks a game. So that's okay. Um, I'm interested Kelly O'Hara is a player that Jill Ellis sort of flirted with the idea of, oh, maybe she'll get 15 minutes. I think that's Jill Ellis sort of hedging. I think O'Hara will start by the time the World Cup goes around. And she's also a super important player in terms of being able to do what Jill Ellis wants and push up, be in the attack, play basically anywhere on either side, do her job. Um, I think to me, the greatest injustice of this World Cup is Kristen Press will not get enough time. And she is in amazing form right now. And I'm very sorry that she's not going to get the time she deserves because she's really been impressing me lately. Um, those are sort of my quick thoughts. Um, I'll open the floor to you guys. And then, you know, if I have any final ones to wrap, I'll, I'll wrap back in. But I think the three Utah players actually are going to be pretty huge going into this World Cup. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think they're important. Um, some of the things that just sort of stand out to me 
I think Kelly's healthy. I hope she's healthy. Um, to be honest, I know we didn't see a whole ton of her, but she didn't like stand out. I don't think she necessarily changed the games, any of the minutes that she played, but you know, give her a month. It'll be interesting to see Morgan Bryan. That was sort of like a, Oh, honestly, just a, what the hell moment. I don't know why, you know, Zabroni isn't in there. I'm also don't necessarily, I know Carly Lloyd had a great week um, and she's looked decent this year. And I get that she's a veteran presence, but I still think they're probably better players on the roster. Um, But like, these are my hot takes. And regardless of, you know, even if you swap out a defender and throw in Casey short, or you take out Brian and you throw in, um, you know, like Sullivan or Zabroni or Zabroni or someone else, or even a, Kelly Ojai or a Lynn Williams for um, uh, Carly Lloyd. Like that's only going to change. I think the ability or the hindrance on this roster, by like 0.02%. This is a roster that's really good no matter who you put there. And this is a roster that's built to win a world cup, but it's just kind of really interesting to see that um, Jill Ellis's tinkering doesn't really matter because she just goes back to what she knows at the end of the day. Um, you know, maybe minus Jessica McDonald. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree with RJ about just the three Royals. I don't think there was a surprise there. And I'm thankful because I don't have to eat a sock. Um, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous how that has gotten out of hand. Lucas Mueller, I put this on you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I... I, a lot about this roster doesn't really. It is exciting, but I think I think Ellis is. Um, yeah, I just don't think she she picked the best roster in my opinion. And I read an argument that it's like doesn't matter who you pick, blah 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 blah. The U.S. is going to do great. Maybe that was Charles, um, and he made some yeah, good points. Yeah, that sounds exactly like Charles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, that makes sense. The U.S. has a very talented pool of players and they'll do great. Um, But I think chemistry matters and tactics matter. And I don't think Jealous is (laughs) Jealous. Ellis is very strong on those two. Um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I was totally just heartbroken for Casey Short. Um, it just kind of stinks, you know, cause you're in, she's been in what RJ, but she's been in camp since what? 2017? 20. Yeah. She made 21 of the last 22 camps. Yeah. And she was out for one of them cause of injury, right? Maybe. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So it sounds it's right. just, it's Zerboni. I can see cause she kind of got in late, but she's a fantastic player. Uh, but for short, who's been part of the past however many camps 21 it's just so heartbreaking and she's one of the nicest players probably ever um I remember I posted a photo about her on on my insta story and she just replied I think it was last year around the playoff time and she's like thank you so much this photo is great and I was like you're welcome good luck in the playoffs and she's like thank you that means so much so (laughs) for a player to oh it's just it's heartbreaking um, but yeah, I, 
Yeah. So obviously Sauberon's going to be the rock behind them. It'll be great. And I'm very sad that press will be again overshadowed by Alex Morgan. Don't at me. I won't answer. I won't pay attention because I don't have time for that. (laughs) Can I give my hot take now? Yeah. My hot take is McCall's Zerboni is going to end up. So uh, I should say this before I give the full hot take. Okay. The, technically, the rosters don't have to be until the 27th of May. Okay. I believe it's the 27th. These are technically provisional rosters. So yeah. the camp that the U.S. is in for the next three weeks, if Morgan Bryan isn't fully healthy, Jill Ellis is completely within her rights to replace her. I think she, pull, she pulled in Morgan Bryan as a simple, like, this is your job to lose. If you can't play, if you can't, if you can't get to hundred percent, then I gave you every opportunity. And I think she does default back to what she knows. I think at the end of the day, Brian's going to be out and McCall's or Bunny's going to be in. Cause I don't think Brian is healthy. That is spicy. Is and I Morgan- will not eat a sock if I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah. That will haunt you if you say that. Um, which I'm like, that's not even possible, guys. Come on. Um, what was I going to say? Is Brian an allocated player? Uh, she was this year, yes. Okay. Gotcha. Do Is there – I don't know how this works, but is there something when they become an allocated player that obviously does not guarantee them a spot on rosters, right? It doesn't guarantee – I. I don't remember if it's like they're they have to have a certain number of call-ups or if I or if they're just sort of paid in advance for the call-ups that they expect. Mm. It's not a perfectly clear system where we sort of get all of the details. It's just sort of a a, a little bit of a mystery box. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering because Zerboni and Short are both allocated players. So why wouldn't you bring your two players that you're paying? Yeah, whatever. U.S. soccer is weird. Yes, it is. <laughs> they are the most complicated nonprofit organization, and I'm sure. Yeah, I can say that with U.S. Confidence. the U.S. women's the U.S. women's national team agrees with you and would like them <laughs> to stop doing that. Oh dear goodness. Yeah, that's the hot takes. I'm here for it. I support that. Um, one last thing before we leave our discussion of the U.S. Women's National Team. I thought this was a really fun factoid. So this is the first time that every player on the U.S. Women's National Team has played in the NWSL. Wow. So kind, oh, yeah. kind of a neat thing there. That is cool. That yeah. is very, I, very cool. I, th- I think it's one of those things where it's going to become a requirement, like, you're you're gonna see players that are they might flirt with the idea of going overseas, but I think the U.S. soccer likes so much to just be able to say no, you're you're not going to be with your club team. You're coming to camp. That it's basically gonna be a requirement. You might see a like an Alex Morgan stint in France for a couple months for Champions League, but I think I think the NWSL is basically a requirement at this point, for better or worse. Sweet. Um, so switching gears a little bit to some other pieces of news and notes. 
Um, Press and Sauerbrunn were on the team of the month. So that's pretty exciting. Um, RJ, you vote for those, yeah? I do. I vote for uh, Player of the Week, Player of the Month, and Team of the Month as part of the NWSL Media Association. And I actually voted for both uh, Kristen Press and Becky Sauerbrunn in my last uh, voting. Yay. Yay. How do you get you to rig it every week? Yeah, rig it. So I I always vote – my number one person is always who I think does the best. I almost always try to have either a goalkeeper or a defender in two or three, um, if not number one, depending on the week. Like this week I voted for uh, Aubrey Bledsoe because she was incredible. Yeah, there's um, no way you voted, don't. Yeah, I voted number Vera number two actually, um, mm. which you can say what you want. I thought she was very good. Um so I, I mean, I vote for defenders in the three spot a lot because even if they don't have a chance of winning, I always in public with who I say, I put it on my Twitter, I put it on quick kicks. I sort of am not somebody who's going to not tell you who I vote for, for like some arcane reason that some people have, um, which is their vote, their decision. But I, Kristen Press has been so good, guys. Like I know, I know this is a Utah Royals podcast, but Kristen Press has been so good in league and she's just, she looks hungry and ready to go. And it was like, I was putting together my list and I clicked her name before Sam Kerr. I like, I went down to press before any other forward. She has been that good. This is, this is the part of that. I must tell you that part of your contract for, for writing for soapbox, I should have told you this earlier, but now let me tell you is that you have to vote for all the Royals players every week. That's non-negotiable. It would have been, it would have been really hard to vote for Kelly because she was getting like, you know, twenty minutes. Um, but I am not, I am not above voting for Becky Sauerbrunn for awards just because I feel like Becky Sauerbrunn does not have enough awards at home. Okay, we vote. We can I don't, I don't vote for save or goal of the week. I just, it's not something I vote for. Yeah, um, but too cool for that. We are. We're very cool people. Um, we we do sit at the cool person's table. Um, mm-hmm. We we wave at Sauerbrunn and uh, Corsi and Tamarack and all of the players from our very cool table. There, there. It's very true. I mean, I know I'm. <laughs> Cindy, if Becky Sauerbrunn scores a goal in the World Cup, will you eat a sock? I'll eat one with you. Oh man, I will eat four socks. I shouldn't have said can that. I, can I say something that just happened on Twitter because this is amazing and related to Becky Sauerbrunn scoring a goal? Okay. Tell so us. you know how US soccer, you know how US soccer put out their their video with like the players and they're like, you know, if you're gonna come for the queen, you better not miss that that video that they just put out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Heather O'Reilly tweeted Becky Sauerbrunn and she's like, <laughs> "Do you score at the end because it looks like you might?" And Becky just literally three minutes ago replied and said, I did not. I actually passed the ball away to one of our more practice goal scorers. I feel like (laughs) Becky doesn't want to score on the national team. I feel like she's actively making herself get into these great scoring opportunities. And she's like, no, no, here, Kristen Press, here, Alex Mm -hmm. Morgan, here, Megan Rapinoe, you score. Mm -hmm. I feel like she's toying with us Mm -hmm. and I don't appreciate my emotions being toyed with. You know why though? Because it's Becky Sabrin and she is a team player. And she is not selfish, and she wants to see 
Her, she puts her team above herself because she is the great Becky. She is, but I just need one national <laughs> team goal, Rebecca Elizabeth Sauerbrunn. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe one day. Maybe maybe it'll be the World Cup winning goal. No pressure, Becky. I feel like for her 200th cap, somebody's going to get a penalty just to force her to take it. Like but they she will ha- force her to take that penalty. She has said that is not – she does not win the pity goal. She has said no, that. No, but She's I feel like, like at 200 caps, she will be the most capped – a uh, um, national team defender without a goal, I think, at that point. I feel like she's going, like, they're going to force her. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. We should ask her one day when she comes back. I feel like we have a better opportunity of asking her that than most people. Really? Yeah. Mm, hold on. Speaking of Twitter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you really do it that? I'm doing some real-time tweeting. Now you're on my Me? list, along with Lucas. Yes, you. If Becky Sauron no. scores a goal in the World Cup, Cindy promises she will eat a sock this time around after multiple faulty promises. Hmm. Wow. Wow. I pinned you. Oh, you did. <laughs> you guys stink. <laughs> hey, I will eat a sock too, so sure. no big deal. All right, sounds good. I will take a shot of sake. Does that count? <laughs> Yeah, that does. I will, uh, if Becky Sauerbrunn scores a goal, I'll eat a snail like Carla Haslam. Ew. Yeah, super gross. Did did you see that? She and Daniel are in Austria. I have seen that. But it's a, hold on. I think I have eaten one because it's a delicacy at European restaurants. And I was somewhere, I must have been like out of town. And we went to like a Spanish tapas place and... Yeah, snail. I remember eating one. It tastes like chicken. So if Becky Sauerbrunn scores a goal, I'm going to buy a jersey, which is, you know, more expensive than a snail or a sock. Mm. <laughs> um, our, our guy Jason, um, former goalkeeper for the New Zealand national team, currently the, um, the, uh, the goalkeeper's coach, at the Royals just like the tweet. So um, this is how we know it's going to pick up steam and uh, it's going to get serious. So uh, get I'm those socks for, ready. I'm waiting for Laura Harvey to reply to the tweet saying that she would like video. <laughs> oh, gosh. Goodness. You know, maybe um, Scott, maybe, maybe Scott will come through and uh, tell her to do that when Scott listens. Cause I know he does. Hi, Scott. <laughs> Scott's the man. Um, yeah, no, seriously. Um, I would be through the roof if, um, if Becky Sauerbrunn scores a goal, I would not mind the Scott at all. I, the sock at all, I'd probably be too happy. I wouldn't even taste it. (laughs) Uh, Can we make you a sock out of like rice and like a fruit roll up for like the, the band so you don't die of like, you know, an impacted colon full of cotton or something? That's probably smart. I don't. I don't even think it's good for you. Like I don't. I don't even think. I'm pretty sure we're gonna end up on some crazy medical show because of stupidity. <laughs> I mean, if you're not gonna shouldn't if you're not gonna appear on a crazy medical show because of soccer, like why would you appear on a crazy medical show? That's true. I don't know. Fair enough. 
So question, when we talk about sock eating, do we mean like eating the sock and digesting it or just putting it in our mouth and chewing? I don't. Because I thought we were just talking putting it in our mouth and chewing. I think people I mean, actually say eat. Yeah. Like, eat. Oh, like, you're eat. right. Like, like the pretzel I'm eating right now. <laughs> <gasps> that is some good AMSR content right there. So you could- <laughs> Um, maybe i'll just agree to munching on a sock then no you said you said there would be sock eating i i was the nice one and said there should be rice and fruit roll-up socks you were the one that said you're gonna eat a sock i also just retweeted the uh beer joe's tweet from the backline account and my account so you got about four thousand people who just saw that tweet Oh, perfect. Wow. Um, I can always edit the podcast, though, because this isn't live yet, so uh, we no, shall see. No, but the, the, tw- the tweet is live. I and know. Tweets don't lie. Tweets don't mm-hmm. lie. Tweets don't lie. Okay, we should probably um, <laughs> get back to topics at hand. But honestly, I think that this has been our funnest tangent since the water fountain one. Mm. It's been a good tangent. All right, um, going back into it. So we are top of the power rankings. That's that's exciting. Defense has been phenomenal. We faced, or sorry, not faced. Um, we have three clean sheets. We have only faced 28 shots. It's a league low. Orlando has faced 102 shots at the most. So um, one that's a really bad stat for Orlando. Was that you laughing, RJ? That, that was me trying not to laugh because poor Luis, my co-host on Quick Kicks, is probably having a stroke as he looks at these stats. Uh, oh, poor Luis. Um, granted, we played one less game, but what this tells us is that the Royals are not allowing other teams to create chances. And honestly, that's all you want defensively. They've also conceded the least amount of fouls, so they've given up uh, 22 fouls. Portland Thorns are the next closest team at 31. Granted, a game in hand, that's still a big difference. Um, A lot of us have talked about, and I talked about in my latest article, how impressed I am with Maimone. And she is just brilliant. Never would have thought that a rookie would play 185 minutes the first three games. Here we are. Um, a listener, one of our great listeners, Elizabeth, has some thoughts that we're going to read on Maimone right now. Uh, all things considered, she's been outstanding majority of rookie struggle, and she's playing like a grown-ass woman out there. Uh, she, Maimone, has been really impressive, akin to my first impressions of Purse. Not outclassed at all, but fit and easily pushed off the ball and composed. Um, she also talks about Abby Smith a little bit. Um, I still have hope for Abby Smith. We tend to forget that she went out early her rookie year with an ACL after a promising start. Then her second year, another setback. Uh, I have to believe more time behind Barney will only help her mentally as her decision-making. I'm staying optimistic. Um, Those are some great comments by Elizabeth. Again, if you have comments, send them in. But I guess the, um, the long story short is that our defense is phenomenal. It's doing really, really well. And things are probably about to get a little bit shaky. Mm. So I have a theory. Mm, I like theories. Um, I have a theory. My theory is that the first three games, Laura Harvey knew that she was going to have predominantly 
her back line, right? You're going to have Sauerbrunn for the first two. You're going to have Corsi for at least three, if not four. You're going to have Johnson available. Like you're going to have people available. And then you're going to have a big shift. You're going to have changes. People are coming in. People are going out. Um, I think she started Barney the first three games, both to see how Barney was doing, just as, you know, is she healthy? Is she mobile? Is she doing well? And I think Barney has passed that test. I think Barney has looked really, really solid. Um, And I think now she's going to work in Abby Smith because Abby Smith is, because she's younger, a little more mobile, a little more resilient. Um, You don't want to hurt Barney. (laughs) Like you don't want to break your, your goalkeeper. Um, So I think these first three games were sort of Harvey and possibly into the fourth Harvey using Barney while she's still fresh from preseason and still like really good. And she'll platoon in Abby Smith, get her sort of comfortable, get her with a back line that, you know, you might have to move a little more because, you know, they're going to let maybe some more shots through possibly. Um, So I think that's when Abby Smith is going to be more useful and they're sort of going to, you know, split time how Harvey thinks uh, it'll go. But I think, we're going to see Abby Smith. I think the first three games were Harvey sort of using her early in the season when she's the healthiest. I have a theory and I disagree with your theory. Okay. That's <laughs> okay. okay. Not that it's wrong. I just think it's Barney and that's my theory. So my theory is just because it's Barney and she's awesome. But Barney I am is a, awesome. She is awesome. No, I, I actually... I could see that happening, actually. Um, I think Abby is obviously the future. She's the younger keeper. Um, but, yeah. But, yeah, maybe that maybe that is what will happen. But I, I feel a lot more comfortable when Barney is in goal. Um, and this isn't to take anything from Abby Smith because she's a wonderful human and I adore her. Um, but there's, I mean, Abby's still young. She's still learning. She's still great. I think she's an awesome goalkeeper too. But And probably the, I get that confidence because it's Nicole Barnhart and she's been playing for so long and she just knows how to read, you know, you know, the, the, the moves and everything that happens. So I don't know. I feel a lot more confident with Barney, but obviously you can't get that if your young keeper is not getting the experience. So yeah, maybe it's, it's a rotate kind of thing and they share the spot and Harvey just goes and sees. (sighs) It's hard when they're both so lovable and great. But there's only one spot, you know? And there's not a lot of goalkeeping spots, like, in the league. It's not Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's two or three teams that you could potentially trade Abby Smith to for, you know, a pretty good backup and then get something out of it. Like, there's only so many goalkeeping spots in the league, and there's so many only so many goalkeepers that you could confidently start. So having Abby Smith is great. Unfortunately, that means she's going to spend a lot of time on the bench because you don't want to take Barney out potentially and you can't really trade her to another team because there's not really a lot of spots there's some people going to the world cup but you don't want to trade a player for two months and then not have you know that spot when their starters come back i have a theory Ooh, i like theories it is the same theory as cindy's theory 
I'm not as well. Uh. <laughs> um, uh, to, uh, to go into detail a little bit more. So some, just some things with goalkeepers, um, is at least in terms of men's soccer and sorry, I hate to like throw that back and just assume that everything correlates and crosses over, but you see goalkeepers mature later and they stay in their prime longer. You look at um, Nick Romando, who's been around for forever. You look at, obviously, Nicole Barnhart, who's 37, still playing fantastically well. You look at a lot of other places around the world. Um, You look at Bayern's keeper. You look at uh, people like Peter Cech. Um, I have no problem at all with Abby Smith sitting on the bench for a couple years, learning everything she can from Nicole Barnhart, and then going out there and just killing it. In fact, I think that's what she needs because going back to your point, Cindy, doing um, you know interviews with Abby Smith and just engaging with Abby Smith and saying hi to her as she um, you know comes up to practice, she's an amazing human being, and she's one of those people that you just want her to succeed, and I think that she can. But I do think that there is a little bit more maturing that needs to be done, especially last year. You know, she was single handedly responsible for. Um, you know, the team dropping multiple points by coming out of her box just mm-hmm. way too far. It's those it's those sort of little things. Mm-hmm. And so I I definitely believe that Barney is winning the spot. She's probably winning the spot in practice. Mm-hmm. But that's probably pushing Abby to grow to grow more. And at the end of the day, that's a good thing. Yeah. That's definitely a good thing. Yeah. Um, sure. I have a I the only counter I have to that is this is the NWSL where you're making $20,000 and is $20,000 worth sitting on a bench. You know what I mean? Like you only have potentially five or six years to play pro soccer. It's unfortunately, it's not the men's side where you can make a living wage. I just feel like there's such a small window for the women and it's that much harder that if you're not starting there's a lot of things Abby Smith could be doing that she could be making a lot more money with a lot less wear and tear to her body. That's true. That's a fantastic point. That's a incredible point. And honestly, that's Abby Smith's question to answer. Yeah. We'll have her on the podcast and ask her. Yeah. I, I know, um, I know from my conversations with Abby is that she's really into teaching um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately teaching isn't the most, uh, lucrative career either, but I know that she has plans for education post-soccer. Yeah. Um, but regardless of her comments, I love Abby. Mm. She's one of my favorite players. I have another theory. I think, I, I think this is probably Nicole Barnhart's last season. Um, and maybe that's why Harvey is giving her more playing time. Um, that's my theory, but you know, might as well go on top. She's doing great, but that's my theory. I feel I like think. Bernie's. I feel like Bernie's going to play until Bernie can't physically lace her plates. <laughs> that could happen. Yeah, probably, but you know, yeah. But that's my theory. Two number two. <laughs> I have a lot of theories. Do we know if goalkeepers can ride power scooters out to their goal? Mm. Just get on a little power (laughs) scooter. Just one of those carts you go to the grocery store in. Mm. 
I have used one oh, of those when my ankle, I had torn ligaments, and I remember using one of those. They're pretty cool. Anyway. Sorry. That's a, a good question for Taylor Lattle because she's on one right now. Um, that's so funny. Um, I I could definitely see that, Cindy. I think either this year or next year, and then she's done. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, talking about Taylor Lytle, let's uh, move into the Chicago review a little bit. So I think one of the biggest factors into this game that wasn't a factor on the pitch is that um, going into this game, the Royals were missing 10 players, three of those being the members of the U.S. women's national team, the other seven being injuries. Uh, Brittany Ratcliffe, Sydney Miramontez, Becca Moros, Diana Matheson, Maddie Nolf, Taylor Lytle, Mackenzie Doniak. That's a lot of players, and that's mostly defensively. When Katie Bowen and Rachel Corsi leave, if Sydney Miramontez, Becca Moros, and Maddie Nolf aren't back, you're literally looking at Michelle Moan, mm-hmm. Samantha Johnson, mm-hmm. and um, some combination of um alex kimball megan cox or i don't know i could see gunny playing center back i don't know what you do i don't know what you do and megan cox is really interesting uh we didn't know she was with the team she subbed in she played exactly one minute had two touches on the ball in the game against chicago uh she's played a few games with the portland thorns and the houston dash but um, less than 15 total games. She um, hasn't played since 2017. Sort of don't really know what to expect from her, but uh, she's coming in as like a sub player. But um, we'll see how she lines up. Otherwise, it's, um, like I said, Maimone, Samantha Johnson. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see who's healthy. I can't wait for Laura Harvey to debut the two-five-three formation, where she just plays two defenders mm-hmm. and packs the midfield and forwards. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that formation. Oh my gosh, that would be something. That I mean, would be there something. There are some games where it basically feels like Sauerbrunn and Corsi are the only people that have to defend on the field at, the, at one time. Honestly, you're not wrong, but I mean, they count as like two or three defenders each. This is true. They're both so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a fun take, RJ. Um, what other thoughts do y'all have on the injuries, on the injury front? It sucks. Like, especially this early in the year to have that many people hurt. Like, it just, like, your heart sort of hurts for, like, the Becca Moroses and the the Diana Mathesons and so, I mean, Radcliffe, like she's going to be out all year. Like it's, it's heartbreaking, but the players that are so close to being back and just can't get there and they know the team is depleted. Like that's just, mm-hmm. that's gotta be super hard. Yeah. Muros, at least um, from what I have heard, she was training. Like, so she was injured for parts of preseason and then she was back in, at least like partial, maybe full training by the time preseason ended or within that bye week. So I have no idea what's going on with Moros. I hope it isn't like a, the doctors also have no idea what's going on there. Cause that would really, really, really stink. Um, also on the injury note, I was amazed with 
how positive Brittany Ratcliffe is. What a trooper. What a person. Um, we interviewed her last week, and if you missed that, or I guess technically not last week, um, two days ago, uh, so Monday, the last episode, uh, go listen to that, because what a treat that was. Uh, Brittany Ratcliffe is incredible. All right, those are my thoughts on injuries. We'll see what happens. This is this is going to get really, really intriguing once Katie Bowen and Rachel Corsi leave. Um, and I'm pretty sure this upcoming game against Houston will be the last week for both of them, I believe. I mean, this is why you have Laura Harvey as your coach, right? Like, this is why you have somebody that is a really good talent scout and is really smart at putting people in good positions to win. This is why you have Laura Harvey. So now it's time to see if Laura Harvey can be all that Laura Harvey can be. Oh yeah. And in Laura, we trust. All right. Um, So transitioning a little bit to the Chicago game, Cindy had to, I guess I probably should have prefaced that. Uh, Cindy had to go. So we're picking up, Um, a new recording at this point, but going to the Chicago game, I thought it was a fairly good performance from the Royals. Uh, They probably looked a little bit better in the first half compared to how they did in the second. I think Chicago picked up more steam and they played better in the second half being down a player. And it was just a grinding out game. A-Rod didn't have the, the best game. I don't think she's played at that hundred percent A-Rod level all year. But she got the goal. We got three points. That's honestly all that matters. Although, admittedly, I don't, I don't think the Katie Johnson incident was a red card. And I think there's a, a very possible argument for a PK um, with uh, Sam Kerr going down in the box. What are your thoughts, RJ? So I don't know what that red card was for. Um, I haven't seen where somebody was in the press box and asked, did the procedure to ask the official what exactly the red card was for. Um, If they did, I just haven't seen that response. If it's for a hand or an elbow to the face, I'm okay with it. Um, I think they need to toughen up standards for cards in general and for fouls in general. And, you know, this did benefit the Royals, but there were moments where the Royals should have been carded. So if it's for hands to the face or elbows to the face, I'm okay with a red card, even though, you know, it was a softer red. But she probably should have had a yellow card at that point. So I don't know. Fair is fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all in all, Utah had 14 shots. Chicago had eight. Uh, Utah had six fouls. Chicago had 12. And the Royals controls 58% of the possession Royals potentially could have had two other goals. Uh, poor Vero hit the crossbar twice. Uh, those were, those were, could have potentially been incredible goals. Um, borrowing some of the, the stats from Chris Henderson. Um, Desiree Scott was a monster. She created a chance. She had a key pass. She had to, three key dribbles um, completed 81% of her passes. She won four out of six defensive challenges. She won an aerial challenge. She won a foul. She had three tackles. She had nine ball recoveries in eight interceptions in one game. 
She is a monster, and the Royals are going to miss her in the midfield for sure. This is why week one, she was the first person that I nominated for the Order of the Lioness, because she is a super important player on this team. And I think one of the biggest challenges Laura Harvey's going to have is how do you put somebody there that can do not all of what she can do, because there's very few players who can do all of what she can do, but how do you find somebody who can do you know, two thirds of what she can do and hold off until she's back. She is an incredible player and she is very much um, central to that Utah middle. Yeah, I agree a thousand percent. I think um, obviously there's a couple reasons. I think one, how hard it is to access stats, particularly defensive stats in the world of the NWSL makes uh things kind of difficult. I think also is that she's not a star player in the sense that she's not a flashy offensive player who's going to score goals. But Desiree Scott is one of the best players in the world. And while I think that someone like Mandy Laddish can come in and fill that role, there is definitely a massive difference between what Desiree Scott can do in that center defensive midfield and literally every other player in the world. She's fantastic. And I do think Laddish can do a very good job, but she's still coming back from injury. You don't know how many games she's going to have to, you know, go a half, you know, play a half in or not play. Um, So if Laddish was perfectly healthy, I think it's a different conversation. I think her coming back from injury muddies that water a little bit. 1,000%. 1,000%. Um, overall the game was three points. It wasn't the prettiest football, but three points are three points. Royals are top of the table. I'll, I'll take it. Um, I want to talk about the, the post game press conference a little bit. Um, okay. and something that Laura Harvey said. So to sort of paraphrase a little bit, she said that the main difference between this season, obviously the wins this time around the draws last time is that this season we have a winners in the group. We didn't know enough about each other last year. We were too nice to each other. Maybe not hard enough on each other because everything was too new. It was too nice. This year, we are more accountable for one another, and the expectations are there. What are what are um, your thoughts on that, RJ? I said, I think one of the first things I ever said to you guys in the Royals uh, chat that we have is Laura Harvey's always better year two than year one. I think that's one of literally the first things I said to you guys. It was. Um, And the reason I say that is because I think Harvey is, this is something Brittany um, Radcliffe said in, in the interview you guys did is Laura Harvey knows what it's like to be a female athlete and knows what it's like to be a woman. And I think, she understands that players have to get to know each other and it's not an instantaneous process and there is emotion to it. And there is, you know, it's not necessarily always perfectly logical. Like, you know, when you put a bunch of women together, like they have to figure things out and they do figure things out differently than men do, but men still have the same process. Like they still have to figure each other out, but it's different for women. And Laura Harvey, I think gives the players that year to figure it out before she really does crack down. And I think this comment and I think what Radcliffe said about it sort of go hand in hand of they were too nice to each other. But Laura Laura Harvey gives them that year to be too nice to each other and then says, "Okay, you guys know each other now. 
now it's time to go do the job. She did it in Seattle. She's in her time in England. So for me, this sort of goes back to that is Laura Harvey is always better year two because sort of those niceties are out of the way. Everybody is family now. Like everybody is on the same team. Let's go do the job. And this sort of goes back to that for me. 1000% in the same boat. It's, I think the idea of expectations are really, really interesting too, because last year, obviously performances and how he did was important, but it was honestly, it was just being there at Rio Tinto and watching something new and exciting. And there's still that feeling of freshness of newness of, you know, exploration, but it also definitely is like, let's get down to business and, you know, not just win some games. Let's, let's win some, let's win some trophies. And I think that the Royals are showing that that's a mindset that's really changed in the locker room too. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit more, I don't want to say cutthroat because it's just the nature of the business, but it's definitely a a feeling and you can tell there's a sense around the camp of more accountability. And ultimately that's good. Um, transitioning a little bit because we've already gone for so long. Um, my thoughts on the first three games is that the Royals did their job with the World Cup and with the firepower and defensive stability we have that are, we are now losing to the World Cup. If we want to be a playoff game, the first few games are key. That's what I said. We did our job. Now it's worrying about the next step. So I think this Houston game is going to be huge. When you look at what most pundits say, Houston, Utah, they're going to be the teams that are going to be chasing that third or fourth playoff spot. So far, the rain have not convinced me that they're a playoff team this year. And honestly, this game against Houston could be really important in terms of tiebreakers. Do you think, uh, how much do you think this upcoming game, uh, I guess to, to steal a line from backline, RJ, how much does this game matter? Uh, very nice. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's a game we play on Quick Kicks, which you can catch uh, as soon as I edit it, which I will be doing after this. Um, I think this game matters. I think this is a game that this is a team that's going to be middle of the pack, maybe upper middle of the pack in Houston, and they could sneak in. Um Seattle does not look, or the rain do not look very uh, compelling at this point. Um, so I think you gotta you gotta beat the teams that you should beat, and I think that Utah should beat Houston. Um, but you don't always beat the teams you should beat, and I think if they drop points or they don't play well in dropping those points, that will be worrisome to me. I think if they draw, I'm okay with it in sort of a overall theme, but I, I think these are three very winnable points. Um, yeah, I, I think they're winnable, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too torn up with a draw. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, so looking to Houston, they finished sixth last season. They uh, scored 35. They conceded 39. They had a goal differential of negative four goals. They're the only team in the league that is not missing any U.S. women's national team players. Um, so that's interesting. And granted, not to say that they don't have any U.S. women's national team caliber players, because they absolutely do. 
in, um, you know, Jane Campbell, uh, Huerta and a bunch of other players, but they, you know, and of course they're missing, um, other players like, uh, daily plays for England, right? Uh, yep. Daily plays for England. They're losing yeah. Canadians. Um, I actually think them losing their Canadians is going to be a bigger deal than some teams losing their Americans. Yeah. Um, what are uh, who who uh, Canadians will be gone for this week? So who are their Canadians? RJ uh, Chapman, Prince, and the internet is going to skewer me because there's a third and I can't remember them. <laughs> You're fine. You're fine. Um, but point is, is that even if they're not using losing or missing us women's national team players uh like everybody else they're hurting with the world cup they have a new coach james clarson nothing is really known about him it's kind of a richie burke situation he's worked with um youth teams in the organization doesn't have a wikipedia page nothing is really known um but so far they're in third place with seven points granted um Six of those points are coming off of wins with Sky Blue in Orlando. They drew against the rain in week one. So I would say that this is this game against Utah, similar to our game against um, the Red Stars. This is kind of their first test. They also got slaughtered by the Courage 4 1. Um, but honestly, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Ojai is an incredible threat. Huerta can do. What you know, she's just so unpredictable. Um, Jane Campbell has played some of her best professional games against the Royals last year, absolutely phenomenal. Um, definitely, as you know, a listener, um, and Harris age out, someone who's going to be getting more call ups into camp. Uh, this dash team is good. They are. Um, I looked it up because I can't help myself. Uh, Sophie Schmidt, uh, Nichelle Prince, Lindsay Agnew, and uh, Chapman. So they have four Canadians. Um, and actually, Sophie Schmidt has been really good. Um, I can't believe I forgot her. Shame on me. Um, but yeah, three starters. So that's going to that's gonna hurt them a little bit. That'll hobble them a little bit. Um, so yeah, now I, I changed my, I changed my opinion. Now I, now I think they need to get all three. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely doable. This is a winnable game. And honestly, how good does, uh, 12 points in four games sound? It sounds pretty dang freaking good. Um, we'll just see if they can do it. There's a promo for this game. Um, so every, um, season ticket holder is getting four free tickets to give away. So hopefully pack the riot, not a whole ton of excuses. Um, I also want to throw out there from my personal experience, um, the giant sunburn I had, uh, this is the one and only one thirty. <laughs> you saw those pictures, right? It's so bad. I did. Um, it's, it was bad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so wear sunscreen. Otherwise, you're going to have skin melting off your face still two weeks later. It's bad, especially if you're sitting in the North Goal. So wear sunscreen. Um, be ready. Um, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun game. Do you have any closing thoughts, RJ? 
I actually, if you don't mind, and you can cut this if you don't want to talk about this, I, I don't know how I feel about them giving away four tickets. Um, because of how tickets work in sports, those will be counted as butts and seats if there are butts and seats or not. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, like, from one perspective, I think it's good that they're trying to get as many people there as possible. And, you know, if, they, if you go to a game, you chances are you're going to want to come back for another, especially if you have a good time and go with a bunch of people you know. I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I, I do have some confliction of, yes, I want them to give tickets away and I want them to have as many people there. And I think it's it's good for optics and it's good for the players and all of that. But on the other hand, giving tickets away does make it feel like they're not getting the walk-ups and they're not getting sort of people who want to be there necessarily who haven't already bought in. That, so that worries me a little bit. That's a fantastic shout. Um, and so while I think it increases visibility, I definitely think, to your point, you may not get the people who want to be there. Um, and at the same time, being in the supporters group, having a bunch of people who aren't supporters or who are yelling at from behind you to sit down, uh, like at least definitely don't do some of those ticket giveaways in the supporter section. I know that that was um, a problem with the home opener um, for some of us. Also, um, not to get to get into it too much, but I think that doing these these sort of ticket giveaways and then justifying it as a reason not to do a local broadcast is also very, very bad. And I know that that's an argument that um, some folks in the FO have been able to use. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, if it gets more people involved in Utah Royals FC, I'm for it. But I don't know if we, you know, if we're necessarily seeing that. Granted, it's only been two games. Um, the first game at work, the second game, um, there was reported 16,000 atten- uh, 16, uh, tickets sold, um, which is great. But if you only have, you know, 10,000 or 11,000 people who actually show up, then it's, it's a different story and skews the number. So I don't know. I'm conflicted. I think it's a good idea. Also to your point, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I think it's really just sort of, let's wait and see how this, how this ends up. Good yeah, shot, I mean, I, I don't like, it's not like I'm, you know, going to go light a torch and like uh, grab a pitchfork, but I, I think giving away that many tickets, like, yeah, your numbers are going to be super inflated and they'll probably get 14, 15, 16,000 uh, on their numbers. Um, but it, it worries me a little bit that if they're giving away all these free tickets, people might come. And then as soon as they're like, okay, it's 20, 30, 40 bucks, whatever, to go people are like okay i'm done now like you're gonna get people who might not know like yeah i get it it's sports there's a lot of people who go to sports that don't know what they're talking about but it it is not always the way to build a a super long-lasting engagement that's just what i worry about definitely definitely um i do like how they are doing um at least for most of the games they've been doing um five dollar tickets with a promo code i do like that Although at the same time, um, I've talked to some folks who have paid $180 for a seat and, you know, for season tickets. And then it's just sort of becomes, why did I buy season tickets if 
I could have just done the $5 deal for each game. So that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, ultimately, a seemingly good idea. We'll see what happens with that. I really don't know. And it's something we can address at the end of the season. Definitely. Yes. All right. All right. Um, I think that's it then. Game against Houston. Obviously, we're sunscreen. So interested to see the lineup this time around. Um, go Royals. Thanks for tuning in to the Utah Royals of C show, everybody. Got the chance, but I'm done crying.